Hello, my name is Noelle. I am a first year and I am the chair of Ubuntu Literary Magazine and the host of the Black Print Podcast. Um, today I have a guest speaker and if you want to introduce yourself. Um, hi everyone, my name is Brandy Nalianya. I'm also a first year. I go by she, her pronouns and I'm um, the co-first year chair at Lip Wakazi. Yeah, so today's episode is Racism at Agnes is Not Dead, a talk about microaggressions. And so for those of you who didn't see the teaser that we have on Instagram, I'm just going to summarize what a microaggression is. Basically, it's everyday subtle, intentional, and a lot of the time unintentional interactions or behaviors that communicate some sort of bias towards historically marginalized groups. And I kind of wanted to name this racism at Agnes is not dead because I think a lot of people uh, think this. And at one point before I actually moved on to campus, I thought it was dead too. So yeah, uh, during the application process and college decisions, I was stuck between Howard, Spellman, and Agnes Scott. And I picked Agnes Scott because, you know, HBCUs be kind of stingy with the money. Like right. they act like they don't want to give you nothing. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not trying to be in debt, so I was looking at the news surrounding HBCUs now, and they're struggling, so I guess I'm not too mad about it. Right. But uh, when I chose Agnes, I was looking at the amount of people from marginalized communities that went here, and I thought I was I thought I was in the clear because you know it's a lot of queer people here, um, but that's not the case because. Racism and microaggressions are deeply rooted in our society, no matter where you go as a black person. So um, I think we should start off by talking about experiences with microaggressions, either at Agnes or just in general. So you have any experiences you want to talk about? Um, I guess so. Um, I guess... I, this one isn't, I mean, it's a microaggression, so I guess I'll kind of just point it out. Um, I have a dramatic writing class, and um, I just always found it interesting how, like, for the women of color in that class, honestly, the three black girls or four black girls that are in the class, the professor never seems to remember our names. And only, like, always, like, um, when he talks about her, our work, he um, refers to us as, like, the the name of our works, whereas for like the other um, women or people in the class, um, he knows all of their names. And I remember him confusing me with somebody else um, in the class who was also another black girl. I just kind of found it funny. It's like, oh, if you did take the time to learn our names and distinguish between us, maybe this wouldn't have been happening. But I think that was just an example of I don't know, just kind of like the idea that all black people, black women look the same and we're like some sort of monolithic unit and you don't necessarily need to know who we are individually. So this is this was like here, right? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I can't say that I'm actually surprised because, you know, no. but... When we're talking about like specific microaggressions against us, do you think the intent of the person who made the comment matters? Like, do you think the intent of your teacher, like maybe they just can't remember or whatever, if you want to say that as an excuse, but do you think intent matters? Um, I don't think it does because at the end of the day, it causes harms. I think like another thing, just like with the idea of like a microaggression, like it like I think it minimizes the harm that it does cause because you're sitting like me I'm sitting there like hmm why is this a thing instead of maybe focusing on what could I could have been getting out of the lecture and such and so yeah I don't know intent definitely like I don't care if you don't mean it it's still causing me harm yeah that's uh that's completely fair so let's see I think since Agnes is majority black uh, this or majority people of color at this point, uh, it, it kind of shifted in demographics since it was like historically predominantly white women mm-hmm. and only white women could attend. Do you have any friends that are not black who maybe made a comment and you were like, uh, I don't know if I like that? 
<laughs> I don't want to put anybody on blast, but I did have like a bit of like an incident with somebody. Um, oh God, am I really about to say this right now? Anyway, but I did have an incident where we were discussing like how to dry your clothes or whatever. And so this person was having like issues drying their clothes. And I was like, oh, for me, I just, um, I put my clothes on high, like I wash it with high, like hot water. And then I, when I dry it, I dry them on high heat. And then um, the person's like, oh, I don't want my clothes to shrink. That's why I don't do it. And I was like, oh, my clothes never shrink. And they say, well, I just, I, I wear nicer clothes than you. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I was like, well, so I asked her, like specifically what like what the hell do you mean by that and they just started stuttering and they're like oh where you wear a lot of sports clothes da 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 and you know i'm dressed like this today but this is not how i normally dress i'm like hmm that's very interesting um what makes you think you wear nicer clothes than me what makes you think you can say something like that to me so I don't know. Is that is that a microaggression? Yeah, is I think I think that classifies. That's that's something. I'll tell you that <laughs> it's much. Um. So were you like close friends with this person? Or was it just like an acquaintance, or what was your um, relationship? Uh, do I want to disclose that? I don't want to disclose that. I'm sorry. That's I'm sorry. fine. Yeah. Um. Well, if you had a relationship with this person, how did you? move past that that's oh okay that's what you're getting at yeah. um i guess see it, like it had me like like i was pissed i told everybody about it and then i just realized that's just how it is i guess like i keep that person at like a distance from me but it's kind of impossible but <laughs> we have our interactions which we have to have i just know like oh that's the type of person you are so yeah i i think navigating um comments with people who you're kind of close to or acquaintances or just people you see all the time I think it's kind of tricky uh but I think there are a lot of things that me personally if I was targeted then I would first of all think what was their initial response to me calling them out because you know how white people get defensive Mm -hmm. um they they like to be like oh no I I, I have black friends like I could yeah. never be racist like um but after that it's like if they get defensive then I immediately shut it down because I'm not about to talk to you but if they show a little bit of accountability you know sometimes they might surprise you um I continue and I think you know what is this relationship worth continuing and then if it is then I think I try to find a place where I can mentally talk about it without getting exhausted or feeling like it's a task because I it's not anybody's job to educate right. these people on anything yeah like Google is free dog exactly. um, but I, I don't think a lot of people recognize the real consequences of microaggressions like um, has anyone aimed a comment at you that hurt more than you thought it would or should? Um, not see. That's the like that's the hard thing I think with microaggressions is like kind of you, at least the way that like especially when you're like exposed to a lot of predominantly white spaces, you kind of just learn how to take it in stride, and I guess like forget about it and let it let it roll off your back. So it's like hard to remember because like. I know. I feel like if you like internalize it when that's a space that you're constantly in, you're just going to go crazy. So I'm sure things like that have happened to me a lot. I just cannot remember because I just I guess I choose not to or whatever. But they're there. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think uh, one of the because I don't think many people target me just because of the type of person that I am. And they know that, ooh, this isn't somebody you want to talk about. But one of the microaggressions that I remember uh, very clearly was when I was in freshman year of high school, so not here, um, and it was open house, so I was going to meet all of my teachers, and I went to meet my AP Human Geography teacher, and there were other people already in the classroom because we didn't have a schedule or anything. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I walked in the classroom and started greeting my teacher, 
This Asian woman looked me up and down, and she goes, is anyone allowed to be in this class? And my aunt was standing with me, uh, so I looked over at her, and I just saw her, like, glaring at that Asian woman, like, if looks could kill, you know. But um, she was glaring at her. Then she looked back at my AP Human Geography teacher, like, and I, this man was sweating bullets when he made eye contact with my aunt because, like, she's kind of scary. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that. But mm-hmm. he was eventually like, um, yeah, as long as you meet the GPA requirements, you can uh, take this class freely or whatever. And I just remember it so clearly because it was another person of color. Right. And it was like, oh, man, I guess we're not on the same team like I thought I thought we were on the same team fighting against the other people but that wasn't the case and like that that was actually what I wrote my personal essay on because mm-hmm. it just it was terrible like yeah what are what are you doing dog but um <laughs> uh that's I think you know what I think that's why microaggressions at Agnes Scott are really interesting because a good majority of the population identifies with the LGBTQ plus community. So, and they're like activists or whatever you want to call them. But there's still... That should be another podcast episode. <laughs> but they're still fucking racist. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here, but if yeah. not, I'll just blur it out later. It's right. fine. But like, you're oppressed and the oppressor. Like, pick a struggle, please. I know. I think it's like... Like, you're just not actively interrogating your position in the world, which is very annoying. It's like, you may have, like... Because, like, I think one thing people like to ignore is the fact that um, we all have privileges. No matter how down bad, I guess, you think you are, to some extent, you probably do have a privilege that you probably have never thought about. And, like, I think... I don't know. I I don't know if it's a Gen Z thing. I don't know. But we all just kind of want to focus on... I don't know, like some sort of struggle Olympics, I don't know, but we all kind of want to focus on that. And but it's like there are things that you shouldn't ignore that make your life easier. That I don't know, that you should be grateful for. Gosh, I'm starting to sound like a conservative. I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like actively, like take a look. Like, is it is it wealth? Is it your um, uh, what's it called? Like your abilities or whatever is it the color of your skin is it your sexuality is it i don't know but like we all have some sort of privilege unless you don't i'm not i'm not here to say (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, i think it's really interesting how a lot of these white people here will like trauma dump as a way to like appear relatable or like oh i'm oppressed too like and it's like them trying to distance themselves from their whiteness and I find that really interesting but then I remember that before they're like LGBTQ traumatized mentally ill whatever they're white people so uh, those unconscious or conscious biases are still going to be there regardless unless they actively work to change that and half of the white people's feminism here is not intersectional but we'll get into that another time because <laughs> that's, that's that's a long story. Yeah. <laughs> so I think along with like intersectional feminism or whatever, it's it's like a, a huge task to get white people to realize that they're like delivering microaggressions because it, it's like terrifying to them. They take it as a personal attack. Like uh, it, it kind of erases their self-image of being, like, good, moral, and, like, decent human beings, and they're scared to admit that on a con- an unconscious level that they have biased thoughts and uh, feelings that harm people of color. So I feel like a white person would act like I shot them if I even, like, thought about telling them, hey, that comment you made kind of felt racially charged. Do you want to reevaluate that? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Especially people at Agnes Scott, I think, because uh, you know how white fragility is. Yeah, you know, exactly. White women tears. It's yeah. it's awful. Um, they they just act like they're the poster children for activism and advocacy to the point where any form of criticism they take as a personal attack, and there's no accountability on their end, like ever. Yeah. 
Yeah, that word for sure, accountability. That's what it, that was what was sparking me. Like, I think even with like, not me about to get on here and start criticizing the school, but like, <laughs> even with that, it's like we're all, Jesus, um, we're all kind of a part of like a system, right? We're all upholding it to some extent. And so you have to be able to recognize what you do to uphold that system. And if there's no accountability, then you're not going to be able to change the things you want to change or be a so-called activist like we all want to call ourselves, I guess. Yeah, and I just think a majority of it is just because they they just don't think that they could possibly, like this, this, this good old black square post in black lives matter in the bio uh i advocate for my black friends uh becky could have possibly done something wrong and they think they're immune to any sort of critique and just exempt from self-reflection in general and i it's annoying because it's like black people are held accountable for things that they didn't even do most times and just to see people escape accountability time after time after time, even if there are multiple people like, hey, this person did something and multiple people are backing them up. It's like, no, well, this person did that. So that doesn't matter. And um, I'm not referring to a specific com- hmm. specific situation because hmm. I know they will attack me. Uh, but, you know, if you know, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of interested, not, not me taking us off the script, but like, I know when I first came here, I was like, something in the sauce is not right. Like this, it's just doesn't feel correct. And so like, I'm interested, like, what was it that's like sparked like this whole conversation? Cause like, I still find myself like investigating, like trying to figure out, cause I'm like, we're definitely not on a utopia, but I cannot put my finger on what the issue is exactly, but there's something, I don't know. I think the issue is that they prioritize their activism. Um, And so there's like a clear, like, hierarchy of issues here. Mm. First, there's LGBTQ issues, and then everything else is put on the back burner. And I'm not saying they're not important, but it's like you, you say anything about the LGBTQ community, and it's like immediate reparations, ramifications, consequences, J board cases, all of the above. But several people could call out someone for being racist, and it's like crickets. And that's because they prioritize the LGBTQ community because they identify with that. And that's what they're comfortable with defending, um, because whiteness will defend whiteness no matter what identity they take. Right. So that's that's why I think it's kind of unsettling, because I know that I would not be prioritized over someone white and queer. Um, Another thing is, I was considering Howard so heavily, and then I was like, no, Agnes Scott is great. But maybe a month after I got here, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should transfer next year, because it just, it wasn't giving. Like, there was this whole situation with, um, an alumni where I, it just was unsettling to me and there was just silence afterwards. Like they, they treat like they treat racism like any other trend. And that's why they like blow it up for a second and then it's gone. Um, but with anything else, it's like cancel the rest of your life. No coming back from that. You're done. And it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not fair. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. Like, I got a chance to visit, like, the AEC the other day. And it was, like, honestly, like, a breath of fresh air being there. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. Like, when I came back to Agnes, it felt like a bit of, like, a, a heaviness. Like, you still, I still kind of feel free on the Agnes campus. But not as free as it felt like on the HBCU campuses. I don't know. I don't know how to put my finger on it, but it's interesting. Something. Yeah, I think because um, when I'm at this school, I have maybe like a handful of white actual friends. Um, 
the only real connection I have to whiteness is my roommate, um, and she's lovely, so, you know. But otherwise, I'm just surrounded by people of color, and it, it's refreshing because I went to a predominantly white school, mm-hmm. um, and it was just awful. Oh, my God. Like, white women, but then on top of that, you have white men, too. It, it's just... <laughs> Menaces. It's the, just every day they wake up and choose violence, and I just have to deal with it. Like, What? But here, it's, I can kind of put myself in this little bubble and get away from those interactions, turn off my phone if I need to, not answer any messages. So it, it's a little better, but, you know, it's still not where it needs to be. Like, people swear up and down that Agnes Scott is just, like, perfect Everybody is, like, living in this utopia, you know, oh, my gosh, we're accepting of all identities, Uh, we're a diverse school, diverse student body, but then, like, half of the staff um, is... Yeah, speak on it. Like, what? Are we going to talk about the Evans staff, like, with that one white manager or whatever? Speak on it, no. (laughs) Are we going to talk about the Africana Studies teachers being white uh really they're one of my friends has a white teacher in one of their africana studies classes and i just find it interesting that's, that's, i don't know oh i don't know how i would feel i would feel so uncomfortable yeah there's so many white teachers teaching about like black history and things like that and i'm like okay i wonder do black professors not exist like, are we just we just short-staffed on black people indicator? Well, they can find them for, you know, the people who cook our food and scrub the toilets and stuff, but they can't find them to be our professors. They're just Very interesting. nowhere in sight. Absolutely. Like, I just, glasses taken off, legally blind, cannot see. <laughs> um, so that that's really interesting to me. Like, That's, yeah, that's very important. Like, it's... I don't know. Like, you're just, like, at a loss. It's like, I don't know how to confront these issues. Like, what, how, like, we can, like, speak on it, but then I don't know how we actively try to change these things. Like, because, like, because everybody sees it, right? Especially with the Evans and Molly's and Black Cat, and even, like, you see the janitorial staff and such. You see it. For sure. And then you see that their boss is a white man. And it's like, how, why? Is is this how the South works? What's going on? Like, if two plus two is four, then what the hell is this? Exactly. Like, this is not adding up at all. So, like, I just have a question. Is this what, like, is this, like, how the South works or whatever? Is it, like... Oh, yeah, you're... What what um state are you from? I'm from Colorado. Colorado. Oh, Colorado. That's interesting. Uh, the South is real interesting because Atlanta and Decatur are the most like progressive cities or whatever so uh, Atlanta has a large black population mm-hmm. but um, even even though that's true it, the South is the South the South is racist uh, yeah. to its core it to feels, its foundation it feels like People are, like, too scared to kind of t- say that things are racist. That's what I found. Like, um, you know, everything's on blast now. But I went to, like, um, so I'm an athlete. So I went to, like, a training or whatever mm-hmm. um, that's, like, for, like, diversity and, like, inclusion or whatever. I don't remember. But it basically tackled those topics. And so, like, they were asking us these questions on this survey and it's like, oh, I feel uncomfortable around people who are different than me. I feel this in front. Like, there was, like, a spectrum. You could tell there was a spectrum or whatever. And I'm like, so you're going to have, you're going to allow someone to say they feel uncomfortable around people who are different than them. And then, like, the whole speech was like, oh, I feel like I'm taking this off topic. But the whole speech was, like, basically like, oh, we're welcoming to people like all kinds of people, um, even if you you're not fully there on like the diversity and inclusion thing, and it's like, no, you're allowing for racism and you're not gonna call it out. Um, and then another, I don't know if this is a microaggression, but I don't. Do you remember that one woman? You're um during like the um, what's it called? 
like you know like all the black lives matter protests of like 2020 so mm-hmm. 2020 and so this woman like she was on the trevor noah show but then she also made like this like amazing speech about Oh, it's such a specific thing. But she, like, made this speech about how people are, like, breaking the social contract, and that's why people were, like, rioting and looting and stuff like that. <sighs> Vaguely? Possibly? I don't know. But, like, they had us watch that video. And then I remember one of the comments by, like, a white athlete was, like, she seemed very aggressive in the video. And I was sitting there, like, what? And then I was, like, okay, is anyone else going to call it out? Like, this woman is mad because her people are being murdered on the streets and then she's showing any type of emotion and then you're going to call her aggressive in a racial and diversity training and none of the facilitators are going to say anything and i was like i'm exhausted this isn't my job i'm not being paid i don't know so i was like huh and but like i don't know so i was like why are we tiptoeing around things like clearly this training is for one thing but we're not going to go out and say what it's for or call out the things that need to be called out Um, that was just a tangent um i think mostly it's because if you take accountability for something then there's an expected change to follow and no one really wants any change well the majority doesn't want i'll snap i'll snap (laughs) yeah so you just you just keep things the way they are because it's convenient for you and because you feel safer um, and you prioritize your safety over a whole other group of people's safety because you, you just don't think it's important for everyone to feel comfortable in an environment. And <laughs> I just want to backtrack to the little microaggression thing for a second because I, I've been, this has been on my chest for a minute. The, the Agnes Scott Shade Room Instagram, I feel like I've seen a lot of microaggressions on there. And the one that I'm specifically talking about is upperclassmen calling, like, freshmen loud. Because I know specifically mm. which freshmen they're talking about. Because I remember, oh, yeah, if you're listening to this, I was the loud freshman. So, you know. But um, I remember... I was sitting at a table in Evans with, uh, you know, our friends, but uh, my group of friends, and we were talking really loudly. There was music playing. We were singing, dancing, or whatever, and we were just having a good time. Mm-hmm. And we were just doing whatever, chilling. It was Evans. We were eating food, so we were conversing while doing that. And maybe like a few hours later, the post on the shade room was like, yeah, the freshmen are so loud. And a lot of people in the comments, specifically white people, were agreeing with it. And I just find it funny how they try to police black joy so much. Like, it just just irks your soul to see black people happy. And it's like, if you're going to Evans to study or do homework and, like, trying to find a place for peace and quiet, then... That's on you. Um, like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to go to the freaking middle of Decatur Square while there's a festival going on and be like, oh, no, guys, shut up. I need to study for my exam. Like, what? No. Um, I, I just found that really funny. But um, this... <laughs> and maybe, so, like, they said, like, just, like, the general blanketed statement that freshmen are just loud. Yeah, but it was it was very specific uh, in the way that, that they said it. I'm trying to pinpoint a certain point. Like, maybe is our class one of the most, like, diverse classes that we have? Because, like, if that's the case, then we know why they think our class is quote-unquote loud or whatever. And even, like, they were specifically talking about you as well. But, like, just to blanketly put possibly the most diverse class that Agnes has had as loud could also be... <laughs> like yeah dog what are you trying to get at what are you trying to say <laughs> like the angry loud black woman stereotype is real oh, they goodness. they try to call black women predators with I, i'm not gonna get into that actually because i feel like there's a pending case going on with that and i don't want to get jayboarded <laughs> oh, but yeah they they just push so many stereotypes in subtle ways where it's like 
having you question yourself and like uh-huh. you're just gaslighting yeah. yourself into am i am i overreacting yep. like what that's like the sickness with microaggressions because you really have to sit back and think like did that person really just say that to me did that have racist undertones was that a racist statement like huh like what why weren't they expecting me to be um well spoken or whatever like that that's my favorite one. You're so well spoken. Oh my god, the way I freaking <laughs> got that, like, a few days after moving on to campus and starting classes, I was like, what do you mean? By well spoken, like, like, I was I, opposed to what? Like, what? I did AP seminar. If, if I wasn't well spoken, I wouldn't have passed the AP exam with a five, you fuckers. Sorry, <laughs> I'm gonna... I'm going to bleep that out. I don't know if I can curse. I'm going to talk to Tatiana later, y'all. <laughs> I hate that one. Because then, like, it has, it goes back to, like, oh, you talk, like, talking white versus talking Oh, white. I freaking hate that. And you know what's awful? It's, like, a little funny, uh, not funny story for anyone who isn't me. Because they're, like, they're, y'all are going to be, like, what the fuck? Why is that? Why is that okay? That's not funny. But, um... I came out, like, as a baby, like, really, really, really light to the point where they thought I was white. Like, my parents had this whole, like, you you cheated on me. Like, oh, what? No. Like, it was like a whole thing because I was just really light. And my older siblings started calling me a white trick because of it. <laughs> and they said that all throughout, like, I was maybe, like, eight or nine when they stopped saying that. And then afterwards, I went to predominantly white schools, so I talked differently than them, I guess, and I would all, like, with my family now, they're like, oh, you talk so white, and I'm like, what, what are you saying? Are, are you just saying that you're stupid? Like, what? I don't, yeah, it's like, it's weird. Like, I, I feel, I why do I want to use, like, I deep that heavy? I've been watching a lot of UK stuff. <laughs> I love their sling over there. But I feel that heavy with, like, the like idea of, like, being called, like, an Oreo or... Facts. Um, like, yeah, with the... I think it's just, like, the idea of, like, A, white supremacy. Like, what does it mean to be well-spoken? What does it... Yeah. And then, like, kind of be, like, like putting Black people, like like, in this, like, monolithic, where it's like you have to we all have to act one certain way and one way is good and one way is bad it's it's sick like would you ever tell beyonce that she's acting white can you say that to beyonce like what does it mean to act white tell me what that like what is that what does that look like like i i don't understand it's really interesting uh, but yeah, that was that was rough, man. Cause I would try to hang out with my black friends, and they'd be like, "Hmm, well, what's going on here, you imposter?" Right. And then I was black, so the white friends were always like, "Hmm, what's what's this? What's this, Negro? Can I say that?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm probably violating so many things. I'm gonna bleep it out. I swear, y'all. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah, I felt that, like, on a different level, kind of like, um, what was it? Like, because I'm a first-generation American, like, my parents are fresh off the boat. I don't know if I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) They're from Africa. And so, like, and then they had me in all predominantly white schools my entire life. And so it's, like, the weird, like, okay, like, African-American culture is, like, I like I've, it's always been an outsider looking in like the cookout we don't have cookouts we go to a park or whatever like but we don't really have cookouts but I feel what you mean when you say like a cookout and like the music and like yeah like so you always felt like I always felt like hmm, like am I black enough and then I just really had to sit back and be like how black can you get my friend you're literally from Africa so <laughs> no one's really gonna question like you're the OG man yeah so like I don't know I think it's just like yeah, that that has been like something that's been on my heart, like especially being in Atlanta and Georgia with like so many black people. Like you finally get to see like 
we really are not a monolith. If you want to find a black person who's into anime and likes to skate and is, hey, that's me. I don't, yeah, I was, li- I'm literally describing you. Like, you're gonna <laughs> find that person if you like to find, if you want to find a black girl who loves R and B and loves doing her hair and her nails. And is really good at political science, i.e. me. Okay, slay. You're going to find that person because we're just all different. And that's, like, the beautiful thing. Like, we're not all... Like, there's no such thing as acting black. Because we all come in all different shapes and sizes and interests and stuff. I I love black people. I love so much. So, so much. And it's like, people act like you can't code switch if you really, if you really needed to. Like, I, I don't talk with perfect grammar at every given moment. Like, I can throw in a little A-A-V-E <laughs> here and there. Um, but I I just talk how I want to talk, unless I'm trying to get that job interview. Because when I was at Jenny's, I was like, mm, hello, my name is Noelle. Um, <laughs> I like doing this, this, this. And I, like, I was just, I was just putting on the show for them. But... If I'm just chilling casually, I will talk however I feel like talking. And I think that's acceptable for anyone. Yeah. But yeah, um, I feel like we got a little off track. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> we're going to we're gonna take a little ad break and then we'll be back with a fun little game that I have in store for y'all. So, you know, take a second, chill. We'll be right back. I wanna hold you so much At long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you Caught in the way that I stare There's nothing else to compare The sight of you leaves me weak There are no words that to speak But if you feel like I feel Please let me know that it's real you're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off you I want to called microaggression or worse um so basically i'm gonna give a scenario or a little quote and brandy you're gonna tell me if it's a microaggression or if it's just flat out racist (laughs) (laughs) okay all right so i i genuinely don't have an answer for this one but black fishing hmm i feel like it veers on minstrelsy a little bit I don't know. I think it's going to, I'm going to say worse. We'll see the outcomes of that in like 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's definitely a step up from like a microaggression. I just don't know where where it falls on the tier, but that's, that's fair. Um, all right. (laughs) We talked about this earlier, but a white person saying you are so articulate to a black person. Microaggression. All right. I, I can agree with that one. Um, a white person asking, is that your real hair? Oh, stupidity, but I guess microaggression. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like, I feel like it's really annoying. Um, of course it is. Well, I don't know. <laughs> is that your real hair? That's so weird. Why would you ask somebody that? I don't care if I am blatantly, obviously wearing a 40-inch wig. You know, them Brazilian logs. I don't care if I'm wearing that and they ask me, is that my real hair? I'm going to say yes, because you know what? I bought it. I spent my money on that. It's mine, okay? You didn't pay for it. It's not yours. Exactly. I wonder, like, what what's their goal, though? Because, like, if I were to ask, like, a black girl, like, oh, I wouldn't ask. 
maybe I, I i don't think i would ask but like my goal would be like dang like so what what hair pro is it the cantu is it the shame moisture what are you doing is that a twist out i would ask because i want my hair to look like that but what purpose does a white person have really asking you is that your real hair what does that do no fat as a person like i feel that and if it's like because sometimes we just know when it's a wig because you know you know <laughs> but if it, it's definitely a wig and it looks slayed, I'll be like, yo. I like your hair. Sim, like, can you put me on to that? Because I'm trying to get slayed like that. Like, you look good. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the only time I would ever comment like that. Yeah. Is that your real hair? Like, also, why ha- why do you have to name the hairstyle? Like, oh, I like your wig. I- Someone said, I like your wig. <laughs> <laughs> No, because if somebody said I like your wig to me and they were white, I that would be my last. Is that a straw. microaggression? I oh. I see that I don't notice some of these things sometimes. <laughs> it just happens so regularly that you're just like, okay. That that feels charged. I like your wig. Yeah, like I that. like your wig, man. I think that's a little bit more than a microaggression. You think so? Uh, just okay, a little bit. so I'm being constantly abused by one person. Oh my <laughs> gosh. But okay. Hmm. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go with a quote. When I look at you, I don't see color. What is that? <laughs> I can't even... Some of... Is this... What? When I look at you, I don't see color. Huh? <laughs> That's craziness. That's madness. Oh, I know that's ableist, but that's just what? I just, um. Where are you pulling that from? Noelle, is this a real life experience? Yes! No! Oh my gosh. I I was in high school Mm -mm. and um, we, I was in my literature class. It was maybe junior year, I think. And um, we were reading, what book was it? It was. Oh my god, it was really important. It was really important. Is it like I, Mockingbird or something? I can't remember the specific name of it, but it was about this black country girl who married this man, and it was it was just interesting. Ah, oh. oh, it was a bi too. I I can't remember it probably because I barely read the book because you know <laughs> who read it? I was tired. <laughs> um, and I was in a group with three white boys. So, <laughs> it's always the white boys it's always the stuff. white boys they're just they say the most out of pocket shit and you're just like what and it's like what what the fuck am i supposed to say to that but um we were having a discussion about like themes in the book i think mm-hmm. and um i was talking about how like colorblindness was super harmful in right. that um, you should acknowledge and accept as opposed to like not even considering it. Mm-hmm. And um, this guy goes, "Well, I don't think being colorblind is such a bad thing because like I don't know." He had some bullshit excuse, but he eventually he was like, "Yeah, when I look at you, I don't see color." Like, why my, me specifically, sir? Why me specifically? And my immediate reaction was, then what the fuck do you see? <laughs> my teacher happened to be walking past our little group because we were in the classroom when this happened. Right. And uh, I love, shout out to Mr. Lundy, um, 11th grade literature teacher, because as soon as he heard that, he laughed. And uh, the next day, <laughs> no, it was it was an A day when that happened. But the day after that, we had a discussion about color blindness. <laughs> so that was really interesting. That's a real one. That is a real one. I love him so much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't, I, I still don't know. I don't know what that is. What? When I look at you, a black person, specifically you, black person, <laughs> Like there are two other people color. you could have chosen. Mm. But you yes, were like, you ah, you the most really colorful do. person here. You were like, I, I, I don't see it. it. Oh, am I allowed to tell a story? Yeah. Okay. It's not specific. It's just with white men being menaces uh, or white yeah. boys being menaces. <laughs> One of the microaggressions, or this was just flat out racism that I experienced was I really wanted to go to, I think, Columbia. And so like this one, like I was, I was little back then. I was like a sophomore. 
And so, like, this one guy was like, oh, yeah, Brandy, I think you could get in. I didn't. But he's like, I think you can get in. I'm still reeling from that today. But he's like, oh, I think you can get in. You know, you really have, like, you know, you like, if you can get your grades up just a little bit. But, like, you seem like a good person who could get into the school. And then so this one kid, he was like, oh, well, yeah, because, like, of affirmative action and stuff like that. I was like, for real? Affirmative action is why I'm going to be able to get into a school? Well, clearly affirmative action didn't work for me. But I swear to God, that kid is going to get in, like, because he's still in high school, but he's going to get into, like, Harvard or Stanford. <laughs> it's like, but I know you're a racist on the low, but whatever. Like, they're um, acting like affirmative action does not benefit white women the most. It does. Like, like the studies came out. Please. I, miss me with that. That's miss so interesting. I will say, though, that I was so excited to write college applications because I was like, ah, I'm like every minority in the book. Let me milk that shit. <laughs> but it's okay when I say it yeah. because because it's me. And it's like, it's commentary. Yeah, but, but you can't comment on it yeah. because you don't, you don't understand. Yeah, so <laughs> affirmative action, does it work for me? No, it didn't work for me. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> The next one, <laughs> we got so we're still playing the game, guys. Um, the next one is a store owner following a customer of color around the store. Racism. I, I can agree with that. What about, I'm sorry, but what about when people ask, like, oh, do you work here? Like, I always get, like, I was at Victoria's Secret, and this white woman comes up to me, and she goes, do you work here? And I sort of thought I was carrying like a red bra around me. And I was like, what? Why are you asking me if I work here? That one pissed me off. Is that, once again, just asking like, why? Because like, and when I go places with my dad, people love to assume. I'm like this, it's like so sad. Like his 50th birthday, he was dressed to the nines. And some asshole had the audacity to ask like, oh, do you work here? I was like, no, he's not dressed like a waiter. Why are you asking this man if he works here? It really ruined his night. I feel, is that, that's racism. That's something. I mean, it's definitely, like, racial bias in the form of, like, I guess maybe a stereotype. So I will say that that's probably racist as opposed to a micro, like, microaggressions are racist, but, you know, um, I, I say it's more on the worst side. Mm. But I also think impact is a big part of it, too, because... I don't know. I, I feel bad too if somebody thought I was I was a waiter and I was I was dressed and I was looking good. I was I was looking fly from take Instagram pics and I'm like, oh, you're a waiter. What? Dressed <laughs> for my birthday? What the hell? What are you talking? Yeah. yeah, that that seems a little worse. I just assume you're there to serve them. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. That right there. That that right there. They are because. It's just they always, like, associate you with a position that's meant to give them something or wait on them or just bring a service to them. Mm -hmm. And it's like what that unconscious or conscious bias right there is just so deeply rooted in our American history. It's, oh, I hate that. But, yeah, the next one is... A white person asking, what country are you from? I think I skipped one, but we're going to go back to it. <laughs> um, what country am I from? I don't even have an accent. Why would you ask me that? I've actually gotten that before. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? I don't know. I think it's racist, because I... What? Like, I don't know. What, what country am I from? What country are you from? They're probably going to spit out some percentages if I ask them that. They're like, oh, you know, I'm here and there. Yeah. Like, 3% German, like, 48% Italian. You know, I'm from Russia a little bit. Like, they're just going to spit out percentages. Yeah. I'm, like, 1% Haitian. <laughs> and it's like, mm, interrogate that deeper. Why do you think you have that 1%? <laughs> like, what is your ancestor? Where, where do you think it came from? <laughs> but... Yeah. I don't know the what country are you from? You what, I don't know what to is that racism? Why why are you asking me that? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> um this this is one of my favorites. 
uh, the quote, I'm not racist. I have several black friends. Flat out racism. That is so freaking <laughs> racist. That's so, like, oh my god. It's, it's one of the things I use to identify people that I will stay far away from for the rest of my life. Um, anything they say is, like, automatically invalid. <laughs> the write-off completely. Like, what? I have several black friends. Okay. And? Like, Me too. Now what? Do I get a gold star? Like, Lord, I have dogs. Okay? Does that, does that mean I'm vegan now? Does that mean I don't eat animals since I have a pet? I don't know. It, it's just, like, such a wild, like, the statements just don't correlate <laughs> at all. It's, like, such a, it's, like, this is one thing, and then this is the other thing, and they don't relate at all, but I'm going to pretend like they do and make you feel like you're crazy. Like, what? It's just, I don't know, like, some sort of dehumanization. I don't know what it is. It's weird. Like, it, it's like, uh, the the leaves are falling from the tree because the sky is blue. What? Oh, the correlation versus causation. Like, what? Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> I, they never fail to amaze me. <laughs> now, this one, I hate this one, but teachers expecting students of color to represent their race in any form of class discussion. Racism. I I do think that's racism. Um, and it's the fact that a few of my friends have actually had that happen here. Um, and I just feel like at this point, teachers should know better. Um, I, they should just know better. Like, the entire point of all of this is that you should know better, and it's disappointing. Do better. <laughs> do, do better. <laughs> do better, y'all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's pretty much it for this game. And sometimes people don't recognize the microaggressions made against them, so it's, it's kind of hard to do anything about it. Like, even mm. while we're playing the game, it's like, oh my gosh, what know. is this? Like, I, yeah. I don't know. And so it, it makes it harder to speak up because you don't know. So it's like, am I getting mad over something really small? Like, I'm not even sure if this is something I should advocate for. Right. And, and and sometimes, sometimes I remember having this discussion earlier. Sometimes people just hit you with things in the most random times mm -hmm. and you just don't you know don't what to do with it. Like, you're just taken so off guard and it's like, whoa. Like, what am I even supposed to say to that? Because I feel like if... A white person like came up to me and called me a porch monkey i would be like um what like i wouldn't know how to react yeah like because it's like why would you like, this actually happens you know like so it's just it's just a shock thing yeah and like i think a good example is like you're in class and a teacher says something that seems like unintentionally racially charged mm -hmm. but then everyone else is like fine with it and they don't really say anything you don't notice any like sly looks you know those looks that we give each other right but you don't notice that and I think that it's first off I'm in public speaking so I know that it's hard to speak up in front of a crowd that it's awful and I don't think anyone should be forced to do that if it's not something that they want to do um, and especially speaking up against a teacher who grades your assignments, right. who yeah. is in charge of your final grade, which affects your graduation credits. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's intimidating dealing with that power dynamic. And I think that's why a lot of the teachers that my friends have complained about because they've been like, you know, doing slick shit. That's why they're still here. And that's why you know, they're not fired yet because it's like, ah, uh, what if they don't get fired? Because you know how people protect those white people. Yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, damn, now I have to deal with this for the rest of the semester. So that's pretty sucky. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. I think, like, my favorite um, Audre Lorde quote is, like, your silence will not protect you. 
I have to have that like posted everywhere so I can just like remember like in times where someone's trying me in times where and like all of the instances I brought up I was silent but I don't know just I just try to remember my try to remind myself like your silence will not protect you you might as well speak and see what happens yeah like i am someone who's just gonna tell you whatever i'm thinking when i'm thinking it sometimes i shouldn't say anything it's like dog what are you talking about like how did we even get here but um if if you're comfortable with speaking up when the situation like arises then i just don't think you owe like anyone the luxury of pulling them aside to talk about it you don't owe them any kind of like politeness unless you feel like they might not be fired after that and you want to save your grade (laughs) Um, i'm not telling y'all to go yelling at your teachers please you did not hear it from me i i noel did not say that did we go for business (laughs) i did not say that i am however saying that you don't have to um wait until the class is over to talk about it you can be like hey what you said just then was not okay and here's why and i feel like it's if someone were to do that i feel like it'd be a good learning opportunity for everyone else who didn't speak up about it and were kind of unsure about what was going on and i think they'd realize why it wasn't okay but again it's it's no one's job to educate anyone so there's it's optional, honestly. Yeah, I think, yeah, trying to speak up is so, it's, it's scary, honestly, especially, like, with a new environment. I know that's something that I've really been struggling with, like, back home, like, speaking up, it wasn't my thing, but your girl was speaking. She was, she was in the streets, you know, she, my voice was Not out in there. the streets. Not in the streets like that, but, like, <laughs> in the streets with, you know, power to people. <laughs> I was doing my thing, but here, it's just, it's been unsettling, it's confusing, like, it's, like, it's all, like, the microaggressive stuff that I really wanted to escape from back home. I was like, I'm gonna go to the South, it's gonna be blatant, I'm gonna know when someone's being racist, I'm not gonna have to sit there and interrogate it. And then I came to Agnes Scott, <laughs> and, you know, microaggressions upon microaggressions that I can't even identify. Yeah, uh, like, you'll, you'll be taking a shower or sitting in your mm-hmm. bed doing homework mm-hmm. maybe like weeks later and then you're like wait damn was that racist wait a minute <laughs> what the hell i left that off wait a minute yeah um it, it just hits you like later on and you're, and you're just left like man if i had known then what would would i have what would i have done like i would have said something right like i would have if you had no i don't know but yeah, um, and sometimes it's like people, they just don't realize how hard it is to talk about something that makes them uncomfortable. Because um, it's like racism is uncomfortable. Racism is traumatizing, like I said, in any form, whatever form it takes, even if it's like a sly comment or whatever. You never know how it'll affect someone, how it'll trigger someone. So it, it's hard speaking up about it. And um, there's, it's even harder if you know that there's a chance you'll be gaslit like you, like most people here are at Agnes Scott because, you know, white women tears or whatever. And they'll call you like this crazy, overly sensitive person for being upset about something that you're rightfully allowed to be upset over. I just think that's, that's kind of, that makes things a lot more terrifying. Yeah, I think. Is it crazy to say I think I'd prefer blatant? Like, yeah, let me not say that. But I think uh, it would just, it would be easier. Like, this is, this is the harm. They might be called microaggressions, which I guess we need to interrogate that. But they cause so much harm because they leave you feeling great. That's ableist. They leave you feeling just, oh, no one can see what I'm doing. feeling so unsettled and unsure about yourself so it's very microaggressions are extremely extremely harmful yeah that and people think oh it's micro so it's not a big deal but no you're wrong 
But um, in conclusion, closing out, Agnes Scott is not the safe place it claims to be, and white people have a lot of learning to do, a lot of acknowledgement to do, because it's not enough to just learn. You have to acknowledge and change your behavior. And um, you have any final comments, Brandy? Mm. Take accountability for your actions. Interrogate yourself and your experiences. Yes. Oh, yes. speak up. Your silence will not protect you. <laughs> yes, yes. You you are not the poster child for activism that you think you are. And if you're like, oh, I have no work to do, then, you know, you definitely have some work to do. True. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's all. And I'm going to have a few announcements at the end of this segment. So uh, we're just going to close out with a little ad and then I'll be back. Thank you. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Hello. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, just remember, Ubuntu Literary Magazine is accepting submissions. You can either go to the link in the bio of my Instagram, atl.noel. Sorry for the self-promo, but y'all knew it was coming. Or Ubuntu's Instagram bio and fill out the submission form. Our podcast is open to promoting Black-owned businesses, and we have a submission form for you to fill out if you want to be featured. The link is in the Wakazi account Instagram bio, and that's all I have for you guys, so thanks for tuning in. Until next time.